Hey everybody, Jim Duncan with Nest Realty. Thanks so much for spending time with us. This week, Jonathan, Keith, and I, we talked about some things that have been on our mind lately. From apartment complexes, design, building community, building a Nest community, building with flexibility for the future. We had some fun this week. Hope you enjoy it. Jim, Jonathan, as we sit here and we, we talk about next episodes of Sweat the Details and we're talking about planning and, and how we're going to do it. I, I think just ch- let's just chat about three or four different things. And, and Jonathan, you were just talking about um, apartment renewals and relationships formed within, an, within a community and, and likelihood of staying within your apartment. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, and this, this uh, spawned from a great pod that we listened to recently with Brian Chesky of um, the founder of Airbnb, who if you haven't listened to any podcasts with, with him, go in your pod app and do a search for his name. And, and he's, he's amazing. And the most recent one he did was on the, the prof G show. But, um, so Airbnb is big on what's the future of Airbnb. He talked about communities, communities, communities. We want to build communities. We want to be more than just kind of a, a place you go stay for three days and, go back home. Um, so, but this led to something that I saw recently, a stat I saw recently that the, and I, I don't have the exact numbers, but the, the concept is, is that renewal rates at multifamily apartment buildings increase dramatically the more friends you have there. So if you have zero or one or two friends, it's a very low likelihood of renewal versus if you have five to seven friends at that community, you are which more likely totally makes sense. to stay there, which we can go in a million ways. Like one of these is like, what does that mean for back to the, back to the office, which is that's changing too. If you've seen, you know, there actually I've seen a lot of kind of numbers across the board in the, in the, the, uh, the badge check-ins, which is how they, they, they gauge it in like the big cities like New York, the badge check-ins are now 55%, right? So 50, like the office is like 55% full, which is a lot more than, than what it was a couple of years ago. Um, a couple of big companies recently have had back-to-work mandates that they're, that they're implementing of like four days a week back to the office. You know, it's funny. I remember the, the week that I graduated from college and I'd moved into my own apartment. I remember waking up on a Saturday morning and realizing I didn't have 50 friends in walking distance from my door. And I remember thinking that was the most isolating feeling of not, you know, I never planned on a Saturday morning in college what I was going to do for breakfast. I walked out of my door and there was somebody in the hallway and we went to breakfast. It was just, that was the plan, right? There wasn't one, but it worked. And I think when you talk about the apartments and we talk about some of the, you know, the different models of, of, building culture within residential communities, whether it's clustered housing or apartments, I think that's a huge part of people's enjoyment and, and what they gain from that living environment. I mean, that, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest that that's the, that that's the take. I mean, I, th- I think it's also, it speaks to where American culture is and probably, you know, around the world is that we are so isolated in so many ways, you know, buried in, you know, I'm guilty of this, buried in my phone, you know, going out on my own to do a thing that you don't take the time to look around and create those friendships. And that if you, if you have a built-in community, like if those, those of us who went to college, I mean, mine was a very different experience at VMI, but if you, when you go to college, you have a built-in community you're a part of. And then when you leave that environment to Keith, you know, you're on your own or, you know, that's a different, you know, 
different world Completely. versus one of the ones in, in the city of Charlottesville down, up and down uh, West Main. You have a potential built-in community. You know, so I think that it's one where people seek that out. I mean, a, a, the question that my buyer clients come to me with that's always under the surface, if it's not, if it's not explicit, is will I be happy here? Well, I make friends. Is there, you know, I've had them on the buyer survey I use probably a half dozen times in the last year when I ask, what are you trying to solve or what do you want? They say, I want to be part of something. And that's a massive thing that part of, you know, just human humanity needs to be part of something. We're social creatures. So I think that the renewal rates in those apartment complexes or what have you, if they can foster that community, you know, that, that's amazing. And I, I think will lead to better, you know, better everything, renewal rates. You know, staying, taking care of, taking care of the community, taking care of the apartments, cleaning, picking up trash. You know, just I think that that can lead to all sorts of positive effects. Absolutely. And so, the, so going back to the, the question I had is, what do you, what is this, you know, this kind of loneliness, which we've a lot of the America has fell into this loneliness. Uh, epidemic. era epidemic the last couple of years I, you know and I, I think that we're going to snap back out of it and people are just going to like in within reason maybe it's not going to be like 2019 but in droves people are just going to say i want to go back to the office and i've already seen and heard some examples of this and the the people coming back to the office is uh is increasing but you know what is what does that mean for for you think the future of of offices uh, less populated. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the again we we work in a small office by most standards, you know, and by all standards. All, okay, all standards, you know. But I think you look, you read the stories about the the large you know, downtowns that have had a you know, just a dearth of people coming downtown. I think that it, you know, there are going to be societal changes and economic shifts if you've got fifteen restaurants or whatever in a block that are dependent on. 12,000 people being in the, my math is off, you know, be, you know, 10,000 people being in an office building and then it's down to 4,000 people, you know, that you might have three fewer restaurants and you're going to have you know, more parking available. And, but that might bring into more people coming from out of town to right. come to, to parks. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that in almost everything in, in this business, I'm looking for hindsight. And I want to be able to look back from 2027 and say, oh, that's the thing that happened. You know, but I think that you know, there's a lot of things that are going to shift as people choose to come back and who comes back. You know, I think that the more people, the young people who come back to the offices, those people who are face-to-face are going to have a more likely, I would, I would suppose. Their job satisfaction levels are going to be higher. And they're going to stay employed at that, pl- at that mm-hmm. place for longer. Yep. I mean, it's like we talked about you know, a little while ago. We took a break from the podcast from doing Sweat the Details in part because we were Zooming. And we just didn't have the same level of interaction. So I think if you're Zooming in office buildings, you know, there's not as much of appeal. No, not at all. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're in the process of, of building a new office, and um, the plan three years ago was um, to have about 6,700 square feet. We've subleased uh, about 1,200 of that. Right. And... We still feel like we're we're in good shape, and so unfortunately, we were able to do that. Um, but uh, you know, you probably read about about this too. But there is a big concern with commercial real estate 
in three, four, five years of if it's going to fall off a, fall off a map and 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 have some major issues, um, repercussions with with these banks that have these commercial real estate loans. Right. And so, you know, it's it's my hope within the next couple of years that people do start to come back to the office and people people are in the office and that's going to increase a sense of community. It's going to help restaurants. It's going to. I mean, there's so many positives for getting mm-hmm. people out of their basement and around each other. Um, but I think you also have potential for, I mean, there's a building near our current office that uh, my understanding is that when they built the building, they built it to condo specs. So if and when that time comes, this is pre-pandemic, if and when that time comes where commercial space is not viable, they're going to make it into residential. So I think you, you have the opportunity there of, you know, shifting commercial into residential condos. I will say there was, there was actually a, there's a REIT that I wish I could remember off the top of my head which one it was who had said when they're building their office complexes now, their parking garages, instead of doing internal ramps that take you from level to level, they're doing all the ramps on the outside. And they're building all of the height levels within that that building garage to allow for conversion into residential heights and then they can just remove the outside ramps that that extra column and they now have a residential building there everybody's looking for how do you retain the flexibility of of these things instead of you know the i mean and it's just it's simple changes but it's huge changes to the mindset of of designers is is that reflective of a of a different and more long-term you know perspective because a lot of the stuff that you see I built, like it's, bigger buildings, I think are, it's an acknowledgement that what companies have that currently works, they recognize that in ten years that may not work anymore, and they need to have the nimbleness to be able to make that shift. Exactly. Make a shift. They don't know what that shift is yet, but they know this may not work. Well, because you for see all the years. time, you see how you know, big buildings are built with like a you know twenty forty year lifespan. They're they're expected and intended to be torn down and rebuilt. Yep. Whereas if you look something like that, I have no idea, might be a 40 to 70 year lifespan. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, again, I think you build in permanence. I think that you have more continuity and community, which I think will build, again, all the stuff that makes a place better if you get rid of cars. <laughs> it's not that easy. I'll tell, tell you another article that I read recently, which goes into communities and kind of loneliness. So, you know, we've all heard the apartment building boom across the U.S. the last uh, the last four or five years. I mean, right. we're at an all-time high with apartments being built. Right. And, you know, population's not really increasing. Nope. And rents are up. So let me read you, let me read you a couple quick stats. Um, this is nationally. So um, since 2019, New York City rents are up 19%. Chicago up 17% up 13% in Seattle and 10% in Washington, D.C. Why is it that uh, we have more apartments and, you know, our population is increasing and rents are up? You want to know why? So the the reason is because everybody wants to live by themselves. And so because of the fact that they're, it's like... Is that is that they're they're now wanting more space to be able to work at home? People want more space to work at home. They don't want to have a roommate anymore. And at a certain point in time, you can't afford this. Right. We, we know this. So I'm it's household this. creation by isolation. That's it. Yep. That's these horrible. households Title. are being, these more households are being created <laughs> because people are deciding to live by themselves. And part of it is because they need 
more space to work. So hey, maybe I'll get a one bedroom and a den. This doesn't uh, bode well for population growth for our, our country no, in the long term. It doesn't. But I think but I think that makes a lot of sense in some ways because people want to be I mean they I think they want that flexibility. They don't want to live with four people. They want to live by themselves and have access to ten people. Do we blame colleges for instituting single dorm rooms in the last fifteen years that didn't exist when any of us went to college in the in our freshman years we all had roommates right now everybody wants Absolutely. a single from starting from day one well if you lived with my roommates in college you'd want to live alone <laughs> <laughs> wow anyways enough uh, enough on that topic but it's it, it is really interesting to kind of see these trends out there and like what is uh you know what what's happening and why it's happening and so no but i i think it's it you know, one of the things that you know, my clients talk about i talk about is it is being part of something so shifting a bit is we do our, you know, we do our Nest County Fair. We're doing it again now in person. Um, you know, it, in Charlottesville, we what had a couple thousand people there last year. You know, I think that it's it's always a fun thing to see, you know, my clients interacting with your clients, with your clients, and they like to be. It's you know, when we started the company, you know, years ago, we didn't know necessarily it would be it would be this, but seeing people happy to be sharing. To having having shared a shared experience with their peers and friends and colleagues, and sure. it being a surprise in some ways, right, is kind of fun because again they want to say, "Oh, I worked with somebody from Nest. You worked with somebody from Nest. That's kind of cool." So I think that building more of that community and the things that we do, it just ex accentuates you know what we do, but also accentuates the client's experience as well in the in their communities. Sure, people, you, you've heard me use this before. People. Uh, gain confidence in their decisions when other people have made the same decision. And, and this, you've heard me talk about this, but you know, if you, if you have your favorite restaurant and you go to your favorite restaurant every Friday night and nobody's ever there, you start to think, what does everybody else know that I don't know? <laughs> Versus if you go there and it's always packed and there's a line, there's, you know, not just the vibe that's better, but right. you think, all right, I'm making a good decision. I like this place. Everybody else likes this place. So, you know, it it's affirmation be, it of, what you, of what you've chosen. Yeah, it must be good. So that's that whole idea of of you're right. Communities, people, people like to you know w within reason. I mean, there's definitely the people that like to make the opposite decisions right. than everybody else. But they're but for for big decisions like choosing your real estate agent, it's 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 nice to have the affirmation that other people are making the same smart decision to work with a nest agent. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's fun watching it. Having built over the years, but also looking ways to continue to foster, you know, agent community as, as well. I mean, I think that you know, years ago, you know, one of one of our agents said because we you know, pre-COVID when we had the bullpen, it was always active. He said, "I am better at what I do because I interact with people who are better than I am." You know, and I think that's something that again you build that community within the brokerage, and you know, how do you, Keith? How do you how do you continue to foster that? as you go forward coming out of COVID because we've all seen that COVID is over. You know, I, well, I think the, the first part is the importance that we don't think about on a daily basis of the, of the actual design environment, right? That when we talk about, I remember when we, when we first opened up our first office, we, I think a lot of what we did was because of, of desire not to spend a huge amount of money on build out. Yes. We did. <laughs> we left we left the big open space of two thousand square feet as big open space with desks in the middle of it. And it felt a little odd at first that we didn't have the privacy, but it quickly showed us 
that that environment fostered more cooperation because we would hear each other talking and we would just engage in, in natural conversation that would lead to, to better You're writing a contract in that house? <laughs> I am too. <laughs> and then you would step outside to walk around the blocks so you could have a client conversation. Except, yeah, and... and but it, but it did change everything. And so when we built out intentionally the space we're in now, we've started with the bullpen. When I started work on the Richmond design, my first comment to Taylor when she started designing was, I said, I want a coffee house feel. I want the majority of the space to be open because I wanted tables where everybody would just gather. And watching the way it works in Richmond right now and watching the way our agents engage, it's entirely a response to the design. It's, it's that... That, I mean, not entirely, but it, right. but it is largely fostered by the space. And if you put people into offices, I remember somebody, one person I had talked to said they wanted a closed door without glass. And I thought, why? Like, what's why would you not want to have an office that you're visible? Why would you... And it, it because they wanted an environment in which they weren't collaborating. Right. They wanted a privacy. And I thought, that's not that's not where we're headed with this. We want... We want people who want to be a part of, of a larger group. And I think, you know, and, and we also, you know, in, in we had Sally Hudson on um, recently and we were talking about in changing the urban growth patterns through taxation. But part of that is also how do cities want to form growth and how do they want to form residential communities? How do apartment complexes or clustered housing or neighborhoods form. Jim, when we sat down with developers seven, eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago now, to talk about, we said the first and most important thing was the community space within the park because that was where the neighbors were going to start gathering even before there was a building. They would gather in that. We wanted them you know, meeting one another in a very organic sense. And I think that design has to start and, and has to be thought of as what is it you're trying to get out of your community before you begin building it? It has to be intentional. You know, I, I think that you have to have defined intentional spaces that are, that, that foster right. organic community where people want to come and hang out. You know, mm-hmm. you know looking in, in my community, there's a place that it's, uh, it's probably going to go away with, with, ironically, with growth and development. But there's an open space that has become the basketball court, and it's where the food trucks come, and that's where the people go. Right. You know, I think it's something that had that been done intentionally and deliberately and carved off, there would have been a greater value to that community. Sure. But I think that it's something that when, when again, you, my clients come to neighborhoods, ideally they're not looking, or they they're not looking for line O houses. They're looking for houses with green space, with community space, where they can send their kids if they have them, or the dogs. And actually, I saw a cat on a harness the other day. You know, um, <laughs> it was being carried, so you know, it was, you know, it was not that functional. Um, but it's you know, you have the spaces where people want to come and hang out, and see and be seen. People. Yeah, I mean, I think I think back to DPZ, which is an architecture firm out of out of Miami, um, who was kind of early in the Congress for New Urbanism and, and on urban design, they looked at it and said, you have to be within a quarter mile of your target to get somebody, to get the average person to walk to that instead of getting in the car and to, to find other transportation. Right. That simple idea of a city center has a one quarter mile radius of walkability completely changes the way everyone engages within that community. Because if you're going to walk, if you're going to see your neighbors, if you're going to get to know them, you know, back to, to Jonathan, to your point of the apartments, getting to have friends, that's what, that's what drives, that's what drives involvement and drives relationships. And so it's, it's, it's a pretty cool, simple process. 
highly complex but simple. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's you know I've got a client in uh, that I've started. He's moved to my area and he's he's riding with with my group, and he talks about how he lives in the city, and if he drives from his place of uh, where he lives to his place of employment downtown, it's a 15, 20 minute thing. Sure. Drive, you know, drives, parks, walks. He bought an electric scooter, eight minutes from door to door, you know, which I think he was talking about how it allows more time, yep. but also more interaction with other people. So I think, be, again, I think that we are, you know, I, I love isolation. I love being away from people. I love the quiet, but I also like seeing people as well. And having that that serendipitous interaction, which I think leads to, again, usually <laughs> you know, better things and better experiences where you... It, it, also, it also lends itself to a better understanding of what's happening around you. So, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't even have to be walking in direct face-to-face engagement. There's an agent here who, um, I love this, that he lives in the city. We have a bypass that goes around the entire city of Charlottesville, 45-mile road in most places, 35 in others. But it's, it's the way you get around everywhere. Right. He will not get on the bypass for any reason because he said if he gets on the bypass, he misses what's happening in the city. And so he drives on the main arterial roads through through the city instead. Everywhere he goes. And yeah, it takes five, seven minutes longer to go everywhere he goes, but he sees more, he understands where he knows what's happening. And I think that's just brilliant. Like that's, I don't have the patience to do it, but that's just, it makes sense. I think about that sometimes when I do that and then I get stuck on the And corner. you get on your bike though all over town. And you, and you see a lot more when you're riding a bike than when you're flying through the neighborhood I in the car. I have said for years that, that um, yeah, the times when I've ridden my bike, I've, a few times I've ridden my bike to show property with clients which in our hilly environment, it's a challenge. But when I've ridden around on my own, just going from place to place, you, you know, one, it's scary in a lot of ways. Um, but you, you hear and you feel and you smell and you, you just see more things about the city and you feel more connected to the city. Um, and you're just, again, you're more face-to-face with people, which I think, again, in, in our world, having that you know, eye-to-eye interaction versus you know, steel metal box versus steel metal box it makes it for a better, again, better community, better town. But how do we do it? I mean, from a, you were talking about design, office design, you know, spatial design. How do we design, you know, a space, whether it's, you know, office or community to foster, you know, betterness, if you will, to both of you? Yeah, yeah, good questions. I mean, I, I know from us, and we, we still have a little bit of work to do, but with our our new office, I think there's in our, we'll call it our common area, there's about, well, actually, no, back up. The whole office, there's about eight different types of seating and spaces for agents to work. It could be at a, in a you know, a, a kind of a, a private phone booth. It could be in a small conference room. It could be in a, you know, a, like, a, like a living room area, booths, raised bar, you know. So we, what we want to do is create something that was different than home. And so it would give people a chance to come in, and depending on what your work style was, where you wanted to be in a literal cave right. for 30 minutes and then come out and see people, or you wanted to sit in a living room, or you want to sit in like a little you know, mini restaurant booth, that you had these different options that are out there to kind of give people. So we're not pigeonholing and saying, like, all right, everybody is going to have this one option, and it's just going to be in an open common space. And also I think that speaks to the creativity. Of, of thought, if you will, to take it a little bit deeper of, of you know, I, when I'm writing or if I'm working on email versus you know, creative writing, I work better in different spaces. 
Yeah. Like couch with my feet put up, you know, is better for creative writing sometimes or a noisy environment so I can focus and tune out. You know, my wife, daughter, and I were in Harrisonburg last weekend. Um, and there's a, there's a, like a, a craft slash coffee shop we went into. I'd never been into. And it had spaces sort of interspersed where you could you know, get a cup of coffee and sit in, you know, they were on the couch and I was in a chair. And around the corners was like that, that raised bar. And then around the corners, another little seating area. Within you know, 900 square feet, there are different spaces and different vibes and different feels and different interactions between, these, you know, between humans. So I think that you know, thoughtful design, you know, as we've talked about for years, having that thoughtful design really matters when you're, when you're creating a space intentionally and deliberately. Absolutely. I was in Austin, Texas recently, and there was a coffee shop about a block from my hotel that I went into twice in the morning and it was a, a very tight space, right? right? Probably about eight, nine hundred square feet of space. Um, and they didn't have a lot of variety of different seating, but it was amazing to see how many people were in there working and having conversations. There was probably twenty people in a small space, kind of right on top of each other. Yeah. Um, and there was good energy and good vibe in there, and you could tell that was a that was a hot spot to go. But um, so you think about that when we talk, when we think about our office space and the future of office spaces, people can work close by each other. There was people on Zoom calls and people just having conversations, Bible study, like a variety of different yeah. conversations going on. But it was interesting to see how how tight it was and 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 what that energy, um, what the resulting energy was. Well, it's it's you know last few months, my my younger one and I, we communicate in a lot of way through reels and you know, Instagram. You know, so I've spent, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, spending more time on Instagram lately. And, um, you know, one of the things I saw the other day was a guy was talking about coffee shops. And he was talking about how 10 years ago, eight years ago, you go into a shop, broad brush, you'd have the interaction, that you, the, the experience you had with just a, a vibe, a noise, where it's just sort of a hum. And now you go in and people are on their laptops. And, you know, you shush people if they're on a phone call. Because it's kind of like a library. And it's, it's something that I think is, again, from a, it, it's a shift of design that feeds into a, a cultural design of people who want to interact and interface with people. Because, again, you get, you hear things. Like one of the exercises I've been doing recently from a writing book is, I'm supposed to do every day, I don't do it every day. But you draw a box of, you know, there's a square, you know, four squares on a, on a page of I heard today, I saw today, I did today, and I overheard today. And it's led to some really good, you know, you know, reframing of what I of what I what I saw because it gives me story ideas and, and helps me recapture what I was thinking about with my clients. But being thoughtful and deliberate about how I capture my days and where I've gone and it, it's you know back in the COVID days before I started doing this, I'd look back and say, well, I stayed at home and I stayed at home <laughs> and yeah. I stayed at home and I zoomed. So I, mean, again, I think it's, it's you, you, getting people out into the office spaces, into the apartments, into the communities, I think is, is ultimately going to be a better thing. For y'all listening, thank you. Thanks for spending your time with us. And if you have 45 seconds, please go rate us, review us, whatever you need to do to, to say you like what we do. So really appreciate it and look forward to talking to y'all next time. <laughs>